With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show and the Stefan Devereaux Celebrity Segment. I'm excited to welcome the program Stefan Devereaux or Aaron Lester, whatever we want to call it. My media mentor back in the day when we had a wrestling talk show and everything. Go ahead and introduce our guest today. I know you're really excited. Yes, I am so excited. Uh, today we have hip hop superstar, social media superstar. Uh, yeah, we got she's got superstar everywhere, and also the superstar, the star, in my opinion, of love and hip hop, Miami Suki Hana. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited about this interview. So are we. Well, after we drop some whole things about wrestling and different things, but let stuff on out of the first question. <laughs> well, my first question is, uh, okay, so I started to get familiar with you with the song um, Pretty and Ratchet, if I'm correct. Yeah. Pretty and Ratchet. And uh, I really felt that after I heard the song, I felt like this was like 2020 was going to be the year and it, you were going to be everywhere. And then COVID hit. Do you think yeah. COVID had an impact on 2020 actually being your year, even though it's, it's actually been successful, uh, more successful than a lot of other artists uh, the past year? I I think it um, the, like 2020 worked out good for me. I knew it did stop a lot, but I still I, I'm still very proud of everything that I got a chance to do this year. I'm not I'm not mad about 2020. Honestly, as far as my career, I'm not mad about it. I'm really happy and I'm really excited. But the pandemic definitely put a lot of people's careers on pause because as artists and entertainers, you know, we couldn't really go out and do shows as much as possible. So there's songs that I have that I love that I could not really perform in front of my fans and move it around as much as I want to. But I'm, I, I think I made it well during that, during that pandemic. That how did you awesome. make, how, how'd you make that shift once the pandemic hit? How did you make the shift as an artist, like some artists were, that were successful through the pandemic to keep their music going and, and still stay connected to your fans? I, I put my all into it. Like I, I do a lot of the groundwork, you know, I have a team, we all work just as hard and I, I was already a moving car. I was not going to stop just because of pandemic hit. You know, I just, I put my feet first and I stayed 10 toes down and I just never gave up. So it worked out good for me. I think everybody should do the same thing, whether it's a pandemic or not, keep grinding and you don't take no for an answer. Great point. Hmm. All right, go ahead, Steph, on next question. Okay, so your name is very unique. How did you come up with your name? Um, it's just, that's Suki, I'm just Suki. Yeah. <laughs> I love the way you said, now my brother, he is a huge fan of yours and, um, when we first started talking about you uh, about this time last year, actually, I didn't know who you were and he kept bringing you up. And then when I heard the song pretty and ratchet, I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. Girl got bars. Like seriously, you got bars. Now Thank what you. inspired you to become a rapper? Because like, you're incredible, honestly. Thank you. I mean, I've been rapping since I was six years old. My mom taught me how to rap and 
we just been in the music business. Like my mom is my, one of my managers. She manages my sister. And, you know, I grew up in a family of music. My grandfather and my uncles all in a band. You know, I grew up in a church that we all used to sing in choir. But this is, mm-hmm. that's, that's really embedded in my family. So I'm just the one that got famous out of everybody. <laughs> Did so, you tell they, us a little bit more about your background? I mean, what you want to know? So you said you started when you were six years old. Uh, who inspired you to rap? I mean, who who was the first, I don't know, female, male, who was the first one that said, you know what, I can do that? I mean, music, period, is just that was, music was a big part of my childhood. You know, a lot of people don't know that I went to a cultural arts school, a music school, when I was nine. And I've been in dance, and I've been in tap dance, and I've been in hip-hop classes my grandfather taught me how to sing like this is this is just my in my family so my family definitely influenced me you know my black culture going to school and learning music that influenced me and as far as my favorite rappers and and music artists I I just remember my grandma playing a lot of old music like the Gap Band and yes and the Robert Band man um band and five heartbeats and um this this a lot of a lot of music just old school definitely inspired me so yeah and you said that you were the one that made it what kept you going through where you know everyone told you ah you can't do this or you know the naysayers how did you keep going to to make sure that you were going to it's definitely my intuition like one thing i like to tell people is that God creates people with purposes. Eventually, you'll find out what your purpose is on this world, why you're supposed to be on this world. And music is something that I could not hide from. It kept coming. Like, I've been performing on stage, then I would stop. And then it's just like I was around a lot of people who didn't have any dreams. But once I left that circle and I decided to chase my dreams, then everything started to fall into place. And the universe has blessed me with everything that I have now. And that's how I know, you know, my purpose is written in stone. I was supposed to be famous. And it just happened like that. So... That's that's why I'm like one of the successful people in my family. I always tell my family members, y'all need to work harder. You could be something too. If you got talent, like I'm not the only one in my family with talent. Like I, uh, I got a lot of singers in my family. A lot of people who sing in a choir now just don't understand why they don't believe in themselves. Like I don't know why, but I believe in myself and I'm gonna keep going. My children like to sing. They want to sing. I'm gonna let them sing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let them know that you could do anything you want to do. That is beautiful because, you know, you really feel like you have a family atmosphere surrounding you and in this in the entertainment industry, it's really hard to keep that atmosphere. Um, Does it make it easier for you to continue day by day with your family surrounding you, knowing that you don't have the wolves dealing with you and so forth? Um, are you saying does it make it easier for me to have support from my family? Yes, that- yes, yes. Um, I mean, honestly, I feel like the best support was no support. Like when I didn't get support, that really was the best support because that made me go hard. A lot of people now, they believe in me and they see like, wow, this really happened. I'm not gonna lie, a lot of people didn't believe in me, but I can't be mad at them because those same people really didn't believe in themselves. 
that I can't be mad that people did not support me 100% when I said, oh, I'm going to be famous and I want to rap. If they don't believe in themselves, I can't be mad at them. But I think one thing I did do is I made, I, I, I bring awareness to a lot of people and made them realize that if they at least try, then maybe they could change the life that they live. So I guess if that is the question. You're, you're really an inspiring person. The fact that yes. you say you try to motivate people around you, try to lift other people up. You are successful. You want to give back. What, where do you think you learned that from? Um, I just, honestly, I'm just a really genuine person. That's why, you know, I like to stay in my circle because I'm very generous. I'm very giving. I'm very loving. If there's somebody around me, there's no way that I, I could just let somebody live in depression around me. Anything that I can do. Like a lot of people that I work with, I help a lot of people out. Just show them that you can go from this and turn this into a brand. Just like, I give a lot of people advice, but I just because I'm a loving person and I believe in a lot of people and I know what it's like to not believe in myself. So I just want to teach people that it's okay to believe in yourself, even if you don't, if nobody else sees that you're a star. It's that's okay. Your energy is awesome. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> your energy is so awesome. I Thank see you. why, uh, in my opinion, you are becoming, you are going to become the next female superstar, next superstar in hip hop to blow, not female, just superstar in hip hop to blow. Um, now, you did, you, you were featured in a Cardi B video recently. Uh, am I going to be expecting some collaborations between the two? I mean, I would say yes, because I'm going to manifest that. I know, I know what's going to happen. One thing about manifestation is you can manifest anything you want in life. Long, as long as you put it out there, you write it down breathe it in and you just say it to yourself. If you believe that's going to happen, it's going to happen. So I'm definitely manifesting to one day work with Cardi or any other women in the industry. I have no problem with that. How do you think you got your break? Where would you say your big break came from? Suki, where do you think? Um, you came my big break. Yeah. What would you define it? That kind of turned the path to where you are today, then everything just keeps going up. I mean, honestly, I don't feel like I had my big break yet. I feel like um, I got my foot in the game. And, you know, I've been going viral for a long time. Because people didn't see, everybody doesn't see me. All, every big rapper, every label, like, it's, that's just what it is. So I feel like that, I don't feel like that's my big break yet. I think my big break is when when I drop this next tape, I think that's that'll be my big break. Man, I'll tell you this though. <laughs> okay, so I was doing some research on you, of course, and yeah. um, on a, a bio, uh, it might have been Wikipedia or whatever, uh, for Love and Hip Hop Miami. It said that, little, phrasing just a little bit, but it says uh, it's going to chronicle your struggle to be taken seriously. I mean, taken seriously as an artist. So do you feel you're still not taken seriously as an artist? I feel like, no, I feel like I'm definitely being taken serious as an artist now because uh, I mean, I'm, I'm taking my music serious. When I first got in this business, you know, I, I just strategized it. I wanted to make sure I got the people's attention. Once I got there and I show them my talent. So it was all just a big strategy for me, a marketing, um, a marketing strategy. So a lot of people look at me as, the fun girl that likes to laugh and like to joke. But now 
I got the attention. I gave them the music and my music is actually really good. So it is a strategy for me. I didn't really, when I got in this game, I didn't have the funds to go and pay the radio stations or pay the blogs to post me. Exactly. I forced them to post me. I forced them to listen. And that's where you're saying you're utilized your marketing skills. Yeah. Utilize exactly. the way to blow up virally without having the money that a lot of, you know, albums or I mean, uh, you know, labels put and spend money on that artist. You did yep. it yourself instead. You figured out as a marketing strategist, a branding expert, how you could brand yourself to blow up without that stuff. That's exactly what I did. Well, I'll say this. Okay, now I went back. Like I said, I did my research. And uh, that Best of Me freestyle you did. Man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Lil, I sat back. I played it three times. I played it three times because you kill every bar. Now, uh, was that the moment that, you know, you started to start making some noise in the, in, uh, in hip-hop? Yeah. And actually, everybody loves that song. I, I just, I don't even listen to it anymore, but... That was like one of my, my first songs that I put out. So yeah, The Best of Me Freestyle was one of my first songs. Yeah, you went hard on that. Oh, you went hard on that. I ain't gonna lie now. Now, okay, now let's let's talk about the new mixtape. Now, I don't like saying mixtape. I like calling them albums because this was, uh, in my opinion, a complete body of work. And I, yeah. I enjoyed it. My favorite song is No One because I love the sample. I love the sample. And I love the way you flipped it. Now, what gave you the idea to flip that song the way you did? Because that No One, I love that song. I mean, see, No One's my favorite song, too. And it, it's starting to be everybody's favorite because that that is starting to be a very big song out of nowhere. I did not know that song was going to do that this soon. But the No One track, you know, it really means something to me. I wrote it, and I wrote it about um, a guy and, you know, I already told you my grandma raised me and she, I always used to listen to old school music. So when I heard that song, I was like, you know what? I need to do this song over. And I got a singer and we just really sat down and made this this song a great song. I'm really proud of this song. Actually, and, I was going to ask if you did the singing, and, uh, by the way. <laughs> that was, that was a, a singer named Alex. Okay, that was now, but writing. Tell us that process of writing. I'm always interested in hearing that of writers. A lot of times we miss the point of writing for raps or songs, how much time it takes and how creative you have to be able to write your own stuff. So tell us that process. How do you, how do you come up with those creative juices to write your write your So writing? for me to get into my creative to get my creative energy going, I like to listen to some old school music. I like to vibe out in the studio lab. We eat, we drink, and then start playing some beats. And then I'm, I'm like, might go over a few and I'm like, I like this one. And that's when I start, I listen to it and I just start rapping about, I start writing about whatever's in my head. And a lot of times I don't even write. I could just go in a booth and just start, just this was whatever's on my mind. If I'm going through a breakup, if I'm going through a pregnancy, if I'm going through hard times, whatever it is, I'm going to put it in the music. You're a brander. I already can tell. Yeah, Let yeah. me see how I can differentiate myself from other artists. So yeah. coming up with that and saying, okay, and the way you're able to explain that to people, that's important in hip hop, right? To kind of differentiate yourself from your competition. Thanks. That is true. Do you uh, hate hearing uh, the phrase, oh, you're next, oh, you're next, you're next to blow does that how does that make you feel when someone says that to you? Um 
I really kind of just don't even really listen to when people say it because I mean, I don't, I just don't know what to really think about your next. Like, I don't know what to think about that. I, I already know. I like, I already know I'm next or I'm now. You're now. Exactly. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Like, and I don't, I don't really brag about it. I don't tell people oh, I'm next or I'm, I'm going to be the biggest thing. I really don't speak. I don't really speak on that. I know it in my heart already just because of how things fall out into place, how things fall into place. I just know that my future and my presence is already written in stone in the land of Kemet already. So I don't, exactly. I don't. And you don't see that confidence or that manifesting of things in other artists sometimes, which hurts, which hurts them. Either they just follow and say, I'm going to finally get that opportunity or I'm yeah. going to wait for that opportunity and say, it's going to happen. So you've already manifested it. And you can't, when you manifest something, you can't tell us everyone on here in this interview where you want to end up being as a yeah. rapper in hip hop because you're not going to tell people. But when it happens, say, I believed in it. And that's fantastic for sure. All right, go. And, and do you agree with me on that? That's the truth that you, when you manifest something, you don't want to tell other people. That's on your vision board. That's your thing. You're going to yeah. do it. But once it happens, then you can say it, right? That's pretty much it. People, your goals, your dreams, they start putting a, a time on it and they're like, Oh, what happened to this? Or what happened to that? Or, yeah. Like it's a lot of negativity. My wife does that to me sometimes when I'm trying to build up to where I want to go. And I said, yeah. it's when the, it's due time, it's going to happen. Trust me, but I'm not going to tell you when it's going to happen. Cause I don't know. The universe is the only people that know. Yep. There we go. Uh, question. Did you come up with the word situationship? Situationship. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think I did. I did not come up. <laughs> it was. In, it was in one of the. It was in one of the bios that I came across uh, with you, and I'm thinking to myself, well, "Wait a minute, I actually like that word. <laughs> I was. I actually like that word." Yeah, I didn't come up with it, but I. I have used it a lot. Situationships. That's just. I mean, everybody doesn't have to have the traditional relationship. Like, we don't always have to be in a relationship like our parents or like our grandparents. Did. I think people should have situationships if whatever works out for you and that individual. Maybe y'all just want to, you know, talk every now and then. That's a situationship. Okay. That is beautiful. Did that show up in love and hip hop in Miami? Did you bring that up? That 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 word situationship and, and love. Yeah. I don't know. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. I didn't watch it, so that's where I have to ask Stefan if he didn't his research that. Yeah, so, no, not on that show. No, mm -hmm. but you use it in your music situationship sometimes? I just, I just use it when I be talking. Like, I just told, I was just talking to my, my fiance about situationships and he had cussed me out. But I was <laughs> just to be rude, but no. I one time we, I was just talking to him, I was like, you know what? If it's better, we should just be in a situationship. He was like, oh, <laughs> no. you know? So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's the hardest thing, you know, especially when you're like, you know, you want energy, you want peace, you want, you want flow. And if you don't have flow, energy, and peace, we can't be successful in life. We yeah. need to have a chill. We can't have drama. If we're successful, people can't have drama. They got to keep rolling. And when drama and noise comes in our lives, we want to, to eliminate it because it's keeping us from where we want to reach. True. That is true. Hey, I, I'll put it like this. Um, now, love and hip hop. You've been on Love and Hip Hop, what, one one or two seasons so far? Uh, it's been one season. One season. How has that experience been for you? I mean, Love and Hip Hop, it was it was a great experience. Like, um, just me, 
the TV world is a different world. It's not like social media. So me being able to open that door and step on TV and show the world my personality, it worked out really good for me. I became a fan favorite on that show, my first season. And it, it's just, it just was, it was a great idea. Like it was a great thing because I just wanted to try it out and it, it worked out really good. So, yeah. So tell me of that reality television. How did you make sure you kept yourself in a balance to make sure that your brand's out there and it doesn't mess things up? You know how reality producers are and how they can try to bring drama or different things. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm the content creator for everything in my life. There's nobody who can portray me any type of way because I'm just 100% unapologetic, hood right on myself. So whether I'm on camera or I'm not on camera, I'm just gonna be myself. So it, it worked out. It worked out good for me. I heard the kids in the back row. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I have six kids, Suki, so I understand. And I make sure yeah. I turn and put my mic off all the time. When I'm being I have kids. a lot that's of kids. Cool. I can't believe they're doing this on my No, that's okay because it just makes the interview even more fun. I, I appreciate it's real. I appreciate that. What what celebrity interviews and has kids fighting and yelling in the background? Like, I just can't believe this right now. I already have another reality television idea for you, Suki. There we go. We got to get you on TLC or something with your kids and then have another oh. reality show like that, something that would be that would be really that would hit. That would be awesome. So think about that. That could be yeah. one. You know, the Ellen scream saying, you know, celebrities, we're going to show you celebrity kids. But guess what? We're going to show you celebrities where we, you know, yell sometimes and not show that <laughs> fake stuff like uh, what's his name? You know, the one the kate and whatever that kate plus eight thing that yeah. john and kate oh. with and kate which is a bunch of fake crap you know what i mean oh this is all 100 percent real over here exactly oh, oh my goodness um I, oh my goodness i have a, I have a made a, a huge question uh because your charisma your charisma is incredible your energy is incredible now you know you're talking to two wrestling guys okay we are we cut our teeth in a wrestling business for a lot of years you know your energy and your charisma can get you sad <laughs> if you decided to ever just put a to even just to be a mouthpiece for one of the wrestlers i guarantee you you would draw a lot of money in wrestling it's like really a big dream of mine to wrestle like i would love to be on that tv screen like coming out like <laughs> I like that team, but see, there you go. So you want to get in the ring. So yeah, you two have, yeah, you two have to talk to your people, have your people talk to my people, so y'all can get me on that in that ring. Oh, most definitely. Most oh, definitely. I like that. I like that. I think that is that. So we got to make a call to Vince. Go ahead. Guess what? I'll tell you something that nobody knows about me. My grandmother and my auntie, and my mom, like everybody in my family, my grandmother is a sincere. Who's your favorite wrestlers? Let's go. Favorite wrestler? Um, well, I like um, Ric Flair. <laughs> oh, you like He's my Blair. favorite. You know, I'm the wheeling, stealing, Versace wearing, red bottom shoe wearing, and I woo! Oh, my God. I love, I love it. it. I love it. That's so great. Oh. I love wrestling. I was trying to tell you, my grandmother and my auntie are um, were senseis. I grew up in karate since I was six years old, so I've been fighting for a long time oh wow so, so okay so you actually can hurt somebody if you need to huh yes i grew up in martial <laughs> arts like that's a part of my family like my grandma's in um newspapers and everything so i always wanted to try wrestling so i hope you guys can 
Okay. Well, we'll work on yeah. it. Uh, trust me, I, I have the contacts. Yeah, Neil's the guy. He's, yeah, Neil's the somebody guy who's uh, a celebrity. I connected to the next celebrity dot and all that stuff. But I love the fact that fighting. So you are you are a Cobra Kai fan then, Suki, right? How can we stay in contact with her? Because I'm already following you on Instagram. I'm already following you on Twitter. Okay. And uh, and YouTube as well. So are you on Facebook? So I, I, you have to, you know, I'm not on Facebook, but I can follow you guys' back. All right. On, on your social media. But yeah, that's basically, um, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Stukihana Gold. All right. Well, sounds great. Well, thank you for the time and appreciate it. And we're going to definitely play some of your music during the video portion of it with the teasers we're going to have out. And everyone needs to check out all your music. So where do you, where you want to go? They want you want them to go right there, right? To your social yeah. media sites is the best place. Right? Yep. And they can, they can listen to my music on Spotify, Apple Music, you know, iTunes, Tidal, Audio Mac, and SoundCloud. Fantastic. Appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. You were awesome. Bye. Take care. Bye. Yeah. Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K through 12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensec's enterprise-level video management software, Perspective VMS, is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit lensec.com. And now back to the show. We're back to Neil Haley still here on the Caregiver Dave Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program. Caregiver Dave Nassani. Dave, how are you? And I'm I am great. a huge fan of one guest while the other is a talent for sure. And there's a great movie coming out. Dave introduced our guests. And I, I just, I mean, I just love this Zoom interview with, with Tom. This is the best. I, I mean, we've had an interesting experience so far, but go ahead and introduce our guest. Well, we have the beautiful Sybil Lake, uh, actress, producer of Central Park Dark. And then we have uh, Thomas Edward Sizemore Jr., uh, known for his many, many films, Born on the Fourth of July, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, Passenger 57, True Romance, Natural Born Killers, Should I Go On, Strange Days, Heat, Saving Private Ryan, Red Planet, Black, Black Hawk Dawn. A lot of, That's a lot of one. Yeah, and so. also Striking Distance. Pittsburgh. <laughs> Shout out to Pittsburgh, baby. This is where and I'm now, Friday. Yeah, so again, Dave's in LA. Sybil's where? Where are you right now, Sybil? I'm in LA. And Tom, you're in? Hell, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
I'm in I LA. I Palm Springs. You're in LA yeah. too. So Tom's in LA. in LA. So all you guys are in LA. You could have got together, oh. did this in person with masks on, but not me. I'm stuck in Pittsburgh in quarantine. So Dave, go ahead with your first question for Tom. Uh, Central Park Dark. Why don't we start with how did you learn uh, about this project? And that goes to Tom. Yeah, this is Tom on this thing. Go ahead. Um, it was a straight offer. Uh, Sybil contacted my representatives, representatives, and um, someone in the office. Um, I believe it was Charles read it and called me and said, "Listen, I read a really, a really interesting um, genre piece of a horror psychological thriller. Um, shoots in New York. Uh, blah blah blah. We, you, I, I, I suggest you read it." Um, I said, "Do they have any money?" And he went, "Come on, no, of course not." <laughs> Like Dave Chappelle said, my Netflix and HBO just won't pay me. <laughs> so, um, it was a little bit of money. Anyway, I, I said, hey, I'll read it. <clears throat> it I, really liked, and I talked to her on the phone. And I really liked her, so I took it. All right, so Sybil, same, same question for you as the director. So you're the producer as well of this film? All right, how yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had a couple producers. I'm the primary one. So yeah. this is your vision then, right? Yeah, this was my vision. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, just for your background a little bit, it, you know, Dave explained certain things, but you kind of how you got, you're an actress, but also behind the camera as well. Kind of explain that to people and then how you came up with this idea. for the Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is a dark film. You know, this is about a one night stand that turns into a never ending nightmare. And I, as you know, sort of blonde and bubbly, I never have the chance to really be cast in things that are much more like okay. sinister so I kind of just empowered myself by writing a role that was, you know, a pretty wild, dark figure. And she, um, she torments Tom and I've never had any roles like that myself. So I just kind of got sick of it. You know, I've done some TV and theater and different films, but I, I'm always sort of typecast a little bit. So <laughs> I just decided to, you know, write something that would be super fun and that I would probably never be cast for and write that story and make it. Like being my love interest, for instance, you just you yeah. So Tom, yeah, so we could just jump to Thomas because we did lose for Dave for a second. Now, Tom, kind of tell me your character, and then I want to go back to Sybil a little bit more in the. In, in the I, play, I play, I play um, Upper East Side uh, doctor who has um, had um, drinking drinking problems, uh, substance abuse, primarily with alcohol, who's been sober for a spell, and who. Um, his wife is out of town and because of various factors he's been drinking again and he looks up an old flame of his who he had a, a fling with um sybil and um because he's drinking and begins a series of terrible choices that end up with him being uh uh psychologically tortured uh physically tortured and um the best tom i mean we got to keep this for the reels but he's awesome i love it i mean i mean so come sybil, on. sybil you're oh. cast in this as well no, yeah, Sybil's, yeah, yeah. Sybil's the main character with uh, One Night Stand. Are, deal, uh, this is sounding like, Sybil, a, what, go, sounding like a fatal attraction thing. Is that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, initially I was pitching it to investors and producers as uh, Fatal Attraction meets Blair Witch set in Central Park. <laughs> so that was like my original pitch. It kind of changed, but that was the initial intention of the script. Why wow. Central Park, Sybil? Well, I actually wrote this. <laughs> I actually wrote this first upstate. Um, I had a I had a boyfriend who had a place upstate, and he said, you know, I'd love to make a horror film here. And um, then we ended up breaking up. I had written the script, so I 
moved back to Manhattan and then set it in Central Park. And then that gave me this amazing opportunity, which was like a great inspiration. Um, there's a place called Seneca Village uh, that existed before Central Park was Central Park. So in like the 19, I'm sorry, 1850s, Seneca Village was on the land that is Central Park. And it was free African-Americans. It was a village. There were schools and churches. And there was also Irish immigrants. And so I wrote this mythology that my ancestor, Sarah May, came from Ireland and lived there. And so I sort of brought in this history of Central Park and Seneca Village in, you know, in a horror film fashion. So I kind of created this other myth. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. So it kind of worked out amazingly because initially it was just going to be a story, you know, like scared people in a cabin in the woods and then it changed to it opened up actually so much more yeah. because there's a central park everyone and loves central park and and they're afraid to yeah. walk in central park i guess covid they don't have to be as afraid tom right you have to be as afraid yeah. at central park now with covid <laughs> or more fearful of covid tom there's nobody in central park now except the rats exactly <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> now would you but tom would you walk at night in central park when you were in new york and ever Oh, I lived there for 15 years. I walked through it quite often, actually. Rats and all. <laughs> so, Sybil, I'm interested Girl, in your character. Girls, girls like it. Uh, so, just how like sinister it. do you get? You well, seem so you know, out of character. <laughs> you know, he, he offered me the world, as men sometimes do. And he offered me, like, he's going to leave his wife. We're going to have a baby. All this um, stuff. On a one-night stand, Tom? <laughs> yeah. How much were you drinking, was, it, man? Wait, wait. He said it was a two-night stand. <laughs> it was show. many. Look, that's his version. My version is <laughs> months and months and maybe even years. Maybe years. Wow. <laughs> so, Tom, how did so, you prepare for this role? I'm going to go back to yeah, a second. Yeah, yeah, Tom, okay. how did you prepare for this role? I got to hear this one. <clears throat> how did you prepare for this role, Tom? I got away from my kids, so I was I quit getting beaten up and stuff. And um, so I, <laughs> no, I um, I I I'm I'm a, I'm a big preparation person when I play someone who's lived before or has a very specific job that's dramatized. And in in this circumstance, you know, my stepfather was a doctor. I was around a lot of doctors when I was growing up, so I didn't have to do a great deal of research. And there wasn't much, there was nothing basically around his job, except that he was yeah. a doctor. Yeah. <clears throat> So um, I, I basically a, just focused on a night departure. Yeah, having those night those one night stands. You've done. You've lived it and lived it at one point. Tom. I, I never had. <laughs> what are they like? I don't know what they're like. <laughs> so you're not really acting. <laughs> it's not Sybil, really acting. Back to you, Sybil. <laughs> uh, you you said you were always typecast as as not this. Yeah. So were you yeah. really out of your comfort zone? Were you trying to prove something to yourself and to everybody else? I'm almost done. Can't Stop. do this. No, no. For me, this was, this is in my wheelhouse, you know. You knew you could do this. <laughs> be, being a little bit wild and crazy, I was like, this, really? is, this is totally something I could do. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I initially wrote it, I'm a sober alcoholic. I have a 10 years of sobriety. So uh, my idea was like, I would write like a horror film as a metaphor for addiction, but it actually changed. Um, and it became actually a metaphor for motherhood because I became pregnant we were shooting when I was pregnant and um, the baby and the pregnancy kind of becomes part of the film as well. Wow. Did you shock a lot <laughs> of people on the set that, that you were actually doing this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, Tom, looked at you the same way. Okay. So, so Tom, when she called you, what were your thoughts? Did you know Sybil from some other project? Did I know her prior to the project? Yeah. No, no, I, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I was just charmed by her on the phone and um, hmm. did a FaceTime. I, I, no, I didn't know her, but I, I, I liked her from the very from the very beginning. She pitched you good, huh? We had pitched a lot well. of fun. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. William Pat. Okay. So full, why'd you pick Tom for that character? Why not? Uh, I, knew. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought it would be interesting for sort of someone who's usually cast as like a, a tough guy to, to play, you know, actually he's sort of ultimately my victim in a lot of ways. So it's kind of mm. different for him. Yeah. How did it feel being a victim, Tom? I loved it. <laughs> he loved it <laughs> okay well that could open up a bunch of doors now, see, see, see tom this is this is, hey, this is what you do in 11 years i've been in radio and tv i have the most fun interviews and you never know what to expect from somebody being on their uh boat interviewing somebody and partying to Sybil, so what do you hope, again, this releases in January, right? So, again, we're going to be launching this in 2021, as we mm -hmm. heard about it, But what are your hopes for people to get out of this film? Because, again, it's your baby. You created it. You're going to finally get to see it in action and come out. What are your hopes? Yeah. Yeah, so February 2nd, 2021, it's going to be on Amazon and all oh. streaming services. Uh, High Octane Pictures is just to bring it. And um, Netflix. this is sports. Um, I'm not sure if they have a deal yet with Netflix or when that oh, date Netflix is. Netflix needs to get with the program. They're missing out on. Yeah, they gotta. <laughs> so it's um, not the only one. Yeah. But this is this is purely entertaining. Like this is for entertainment. I had actually been writing something that was very serious, and then I wrote this as almost like a response to that. So I just wanted to have some fun, and I think that's kind of the goal. Like yeah. I was like, you know, I just want to get back to the fact that, you know, this is entertainment. So it, you know, it, maybe there's a few moral lessons about, you know, faithfulness, sobriety, don't go in the dark in the park, <laughs> but I would say mostly it's for entertainment. <laughs> I would say, Tom, have you watched every film you've been in? I, I actually, um, I used to not watch them until some time had passed. Um, I did watch this movie with Sybil when she first had kind of a rough assemblage. Um, That's right. There's no real no rhyme or reason to when I will. Well, when they're when they're bigger and more important, I, I get a little nervous. So, I watched Private Ryan for like two years with my eyes crossed and cotton yeah. in my ear. I like couldn't hear it and I couldn't see it. We went to the premiere in London, and <laughs> Ed Burns finally went like, "Hey Sizemore, what are you doing?" And I kept balling up this cotton and putting it in this water and sticking it in my ears. I went, "I don't see it." He went, "You don't want to?" I said, "I don't want to. I don't want to see it or hear it." <laughs> but I didn't, so I would go like this. Uh, so I couldn't really see it, and I put cotton in my ears. Because I was too nervous. <laughs> it took me like six months to watch it. Wow. I watched it by my Sybil, yeah. funny story of working with Tom. No, I did that, actually. Give me what? a funny story of working with Tom on the set. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where do I start? Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh. This, this, 
Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell that one. No, no, yeah. Oh, I, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of a, a PG, a, a rated G. Oh, wait, this is going to be a lot of the editing room for my team's going <clears> to. <throat> oh, before. I do. I do have a funny, I have a funny, simple one. So, um, Tom, um, Tom, my, I have a girlfriend who's very sweet and she, um, she had come to visit the set and Tom said to her, oh, um, could you pack my suitcase? And she was, she's so nice. She was like, yeah. And she started doing it. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Why, why is my friend packing his suitcase? It <laughs> took like three hours. <laughs> she liked me. I could tell she liked me. And I started acting really tired. And she went, you seem very tired. I went, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm working every day for 18 days. I don't know how I'm going to pack those clothes. Yeah. I could see, you know what? Would you pack them for me? She went, I'd love to. <laughs> I said, there's some more around the corner. <laughs> oh, my God. Sybil was out, and she came back, and she went, what's going on? What? <laughs> like Tom Sawyer. Has some <laughs> yeah. So is it, is it easy being... Uh, it's a very nice person. Is it, is it easy being yeah. you, Tom? Is he being me? Yeah. Is it easy being Good you? question. Yeah. Is it what? Is it easy being you? No. I mean... I Yeah, I... I always tell people it's not easy being me. So I was just wondering if it was easy I mean, to do. Um, until I got in all that kind of stupid trouble, it was um, it was a lot of it was much more fun being me. Um, fame is, is, a, is that still following you around and haunting you? Well, even if it isn't in other people's minds, it it it, it doesn't mean it doesn't mind sometimes. So you know, I have these young kids who um, know about a lot of things that I wish they didn't. And, they're really supportive, though. Um, I have a daughter who was at Stanford. And I was like a couple years ago. I said, "Doesn't I have to tell you some things?" And she said, "No, Dad, it's okay." And I went, I'm a, "No, I got to tell you some things about what I went through when you were." She went, "I, I know, I know everything already." <laughs> so you, you can't everything. Um, and she's such a such a sweet child. She, she didn't want me to embarrass myself or hurt or, or feel hurt or hurt her. And um, um, so. Sometimes it, yeah, it is tough to carry it around. Sometimes, and the the difficulty is, Tom. What do you think in the industry, how they've treated you with that those issues and stuff later on? What do you think in your in your um, Hollywood is a really conservative place, and um, it's not true that if you show up and do a great job, um, everything works itself out. Um, you you have to behave. Um, you can't get arrested. You know. Like I did home and home. You can't, uh, certain things you just can't do. Johnny Depp is learning that himself right now. And um, I was never out there like that. But um, I learned the hard way. Um, I didn't ever anticipate getting in trouble. But, you know, you hang around with the kind of folks I'm hanging around with. Uh, trouble's bound to find you. So. Sybil, why did I kind of asked you why, Tom? But what were you, are you a fan of his? Why not, Tom? Oh, yeah. How about <laughs> why not, Tom? Why not, Tom? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm a huge fan of his work, and, and I was lucky that we got along as well as we did. We had a lot of things in common, so I mean, definitely, the scenes between us are definitely the best. I mean, there's a lot of good horror and and drama and intrigue, you know, and like a little bit of gore, but by far, by miles, the psychological stuff, the scenes between us are by far my favorite. What's yeah. it rated? How graphic are the sex scenes? Uh, 
Oh, he's, go he's gone. My, <laughs> my yeah, he's like, I'm just curious if my kids can go see it. You know, no, <laughs> no. I think you it's PG thirteen. PG thirteen, maybe. All right. No, it's it's, it's not maybe maybe R. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we've gone to the different things of Sybil. Now, Tom. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. we're always in Pittsburgh. Going to love you for striking distance. Favorite memory on striking distance. Um. When Alex Van Pelt came to the set, uh, who was a quarterback at University of Pittsburgh, yeah, um, you know Alex Van Pelt, yeah, Alex Van Pelt, that and uh, Alex Van Pelt came to the set with um, Neil O'Donnell and um, really okay, yeah, and um, uh, Bill Bill, uh, Bill Cowher. Uh, that was the the funnest the funnest day on the set, and uh, I hit we hit it off with Alex. We're still friendly with him. He's the offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns now, and um, we've remained friends. That was the best thing that happened there. And uh, that that sandwich at Pimentos, Manny Brothers, yes, yeah, sandwiches. Like I ate too many of those. Dave has to, when he comes to Pittsburgh has to get Permani Brothers. It's the best. I do too. I do too. I do too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tom, I'm going to have a, a movie possibly for you. I'm looking at working on, uh, I was talking to um, Chris Mulkey about restarting a, uh, a movie on the road warriors and uh, we'll have to look at casting. I tell you, Tom will be fantastic is like something in pro wrestling as like a manager. What's or something. What's your number? I'll give you a call. I, yeah. I like to do that. Sounds cool. Oh yeah. We could like work on those different things. Just, uh, you look me up, Neil Haley, you can text me and we'll kind of talk for sure. I'm looking at talking to Mulkey and all that. I'm trying to get things going, Sybil in 2020. Yeah. Because I'm a former yeah, professional wrestler, Tom. And you know, I'm looking at all these different options and different people exactly. I get to meet all the time. And it's the greatest yeah. network, this Zoom stuff. Absolutely. And totally. I'm, it's I'd like to ask Tom a question. Yeah, that's Tom a question, Dave. Yeah. Uh, Tom, uh, obviously you're very laid back. You've got success. Uh, you can do whatever you want, say whatever you want. When when did you realize at the beginning of your career when you were real, you know, just doing your thing and, and behaving and following all the rules? When did you know that you you made it? You got a lot of films there. When did it happen? Um, when Natural Born Killers was at some point when Natural Born Killers either finished or the re- reviews came out and uh, the, the New York Times or LA Times said. The, the, the performance to remember is Tom Sizemore, who gives a performance reminiscent of a young De Niro Pacino mm. at their very best. We can only hope for greater things from this brilliant young actor to come. That wow. was, um, that was, um, I remember it word for word, you know, so. Yeah. Major, <laughs> That's huge. His, his list changed your life. Amazing. And then changed your attitude. The movie, me and Juliette Lewis were on the cover of Time Magazine the following week. I'm like, oh, I, I, I can throw away my That's tuxedo. It. Yeah, that's awesome. Throw away my tuxedo now. How many films had you done at that point? Nine. Wow. Yeah, so you look at his whole IMBD. You can go all day but long I, or his Wikipedia with all the different projects. But I've done, done like 50 plays at that point. Hmm. So you paid your dues, obviously. Yeah. yeah. You, I, I really like You weren't an overnight all success. Right. <laughs> No, no one's yeah. an overnight success. No one's an overnight. 20, no. 20 year overnight success. So Tom and Sybil, you're gonna have the strangest question you've ever been asked. 
And the reason I'm just because I could expect Tom in that question. So go ahead, Dave, with your caregiving question. Then I have one more question for Tom and Sybil. I'm glad we got to hit it off before. I probably wouldn't have been screwing around or like having really a fun dialogue <laughs> that we have to edit by the time it airs in 2021. If there will be a 2021, guys, you never know. Thanks to 2020, when uh. the ball drops and it's 2021, will there be a 2021 the way our lives have gone in 2020? But go ahead, Dave, with your question. You know, I'm just a gas station guy. I owned a gas station 42 years, still do. My wife has a headache 22 years ago. We've been married 45 years. And it turns into a stroke. She loses her speech, paralyzed on one side. And we're struggling for two years trying to understand how this is going to change our lives. Well, she finally reinvents herself. And, and now, you know, we're good. She's good with it. She still can't talk. She can communicate non-verbally through Pictionary Charades, two games I hate, by the way. But I'm learning to love. And she's uh, got a power chair now. And we travel the world now. And I, I just help caregivers stay alive. 30% of them die before the loved ones do. Burnout, you know, put your oxygen mask on first. Uh, I believe everyone is going to be affected by caregiving in one day. Maybe you already have. That's why I started my caregiverdave.com website for support. Uh, how have, uh, I'll ask both of you, Sybil, you first and Tom, how has caregiving touched your life or has it? Yeah, you know, um, a lot of my life, I was a pretty selfish person, you know, particularly when you're younger and you're more arrogant and stuff until life beats you down. Um, and really my first caregiving is, now being a young mother, I have two toddlers. And for me, that's, um, it shows you um, when you're really responsible for somebody else's life and you have to put their needs first in, in front of your own and the things you want and you know the things you wanna do, um, it really like grows your heart and it allows you to see beyond, like beyond my two children that I'm taking care of, it wakes me up to like, oh, my, my best friend is taking care of her elderly mother. Oh, my other friend's taking care of her disabled brother. And all of a sudden I make these connections and associations that I never even made before because I was in my own bubble of, of you know, my, just my own selfish desires. So caregiving makes you totally selfless and um, your heart really grows. And I see the world in an entirely different place. You know, like yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a world where people need each other a lot. You know, yeah. we rely on each other, you know. Dave's going to have a film. Thanks. So you need. Yeah, they're making a film about my life. Uh, I met this guy, told him my story. Next thing yeah. you know, you know, 25 hours of film later, uh, he's editing it now. Yeah, but Amazing. also you're looking to make it into a movie, right? Yeah, it's going to be a 90-minute 90, 90 film. No, he's the got, documentary, but should. I thought you have a goal to make it into a movie too. He's already made that goal it was no, a documentary like a real movie with actors and everything is that yeah. a goal yeah it's going to be a 90 minute movie oh, movie okay so who's okay. who's directing it look at me trying to help sybil you know, thank you maybe maybe sybil will i don't know yeah so that's what i'm saying <laughs> send me everything i'm all i'm all about networking uh, well yes all right. yeah, Turn definitely send me sybil Lake. yes yes director of... always looking at things tom <laughs> have you tom, same question Caregiving. <laughs> he, he could be care, caregiving right now with his kids, teenage two son. kids and teenagers. Are you yeah, there, Tom? And, yeah. Okay. And he also takes care of his mom. Oh. Wow. Who's older. Great story. Are you there, yeah. Tom, with me? So Tom's ready to go. So, okay. So, last, did pass out. yeah. So, basically, 
Sybil, you know, see, look, you can see I can, I roll with the punches. 11 years I've been doing radio and TV independently and I've done over 6,000 interviews. So I know what to expect. And as a former professional wrestler, I know how to roll with the punches, <laughs> as, if you know what I mean. So, and the characters Absolutely. I've dealt with in pro wrestling. And Dave, this is new yeah. today. But, uh, Sybil, best place we can connect with you. The film, again, is out in January or in February, right? You said? February 2nd. Mm-hmm. February 2nd is available on VOD or is it going to be in theaters too? I think it's, um, I think we're not doing theaters. I think that's the word. I think theaters are closed. <laughs> yeah, they, in Pittsburgh, they weren't until a couple weeks ago. Some, some are open, I think. Some are, yeah. North oh, Dakota or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, I was disappointed at first that we weren't going to have a theatrical release with COVID. But then I also was thinking, you know, I saw some of the most powerful movies that, you know, made me want to be a writer and an actor yeah. and a filmmaker on my couch. You know, so I think the couch is also a very powerful place. <laughs> this could be a game changer for the industry. You know, you it is. It already is. changes. Changing it. And then they got to yeah. figure out how they make <clears throat> money without the theaters and like you know with hbo max going and taking the film i was so into the man what they're going to do with all those theaters now how are they going to convert them i think we need to get rid of all our cable and just buy all the different hulu amazon i have amazon already i have netflix i need to get disney i need to get peacock all these different Mm -hmm. things because ultimately just having those you have your your fingertips who needs cable Okay, yeah, listen. Who needs yeah. news? And so, last point, uh, Sybil, I guess, uh, any other projects coming up for you that you want to promote? Just- yeah, I have a TV show that I wrote called Bi Coastal, and also a uh, dark thriller, not quite as dark as this, called White Lies and Darker Ones. Darker than this. And so, one of these expected. <laughs> not darker than this. Um, they're in pre production, so pre- it's going to take some time. Because of COVID. <laughs> I heard in LA, at least yeah. it's becoming busy. We had an acting coach on who's very uh, famous. And yeah. she basically explained to us that, yeah, in LA, it's okay. New York and Chicago, it's dead until I think there's trying yeah. to get things done, but you're considered essential workers, yeah. which is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, but it's a yeah, exactly. I think Tyler Perry started it all with his studios when he tried to film the Oval in seven days and showed, hey, if we can do it in a bubble, anybody can. Yeah. Shout out to totally. Tyler Perry. So I guess that's another place to be in Atlanta or LA or you're 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 out of luck as an act, yeah. actor and actress yeah sure. yeah we're gonna follow you Sybil. best place to follow you um instagram and then also i have centralparkdark.com that's a website that you can get a mailing list centralparkdark.com all right and tom we could follow you give me make sure Sybil. we'll hit we'll definitely talk yeah. often and yeah. see if we can network i'm Thank really you. trying to get into this industry in some way I wonderful don't act and i'm a former i'm six foot ten legitimate so Tom, yeah, so uh, I love. I heard that being tall helps you in this business and opportunities, and I'm open to all that because I just said, you know, if I'm building all these connections, want to yeah. utilize it in multiple businesses and opportunities. And I think that's a great idea. And you know, this first thing I'm thinking about was, you know, like this is a really good time with the wrestling stuff because there's kind of a, um, there's like a new um, cultural awareness of wrestling and the stories behind it. It actually started with that female wrestling show. What was that one called? Oh, Glow. You know, yes, they had canceled yeah. Glow, which was terrible. I was disappointed by yeah. uh, that. But no, yeah. I, I'm look. I want to do a documentary. But see, that opens the door for you. So like, because yeah. it's like, they're, like wrestling is in everybody's awareness now. Yeah, so I feel like talking to about that and all that stuff. I appreciate it. Thank you again. And thank you, Tom. And, thank uh, you so I much. You Happy holidays. All right, guys. Woo-hoo. That's it. Dave's celebrity segment. Take care. Home.
celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download celebrity slots today. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.